it's time for another episode of Lisa Friends. Hello! And welcome to Molly's Spooky Friends, the October edition of Molly's Sleazy Friends, recorded at the Little Everywhere Studios in beautiful Atwater Village, California. My guest today is my spookiest friend, my brother, Ben Lambo Lambert. What's going on? Hey, Ben. Hey, what's up, Molly? Uh, we are very excited today to talk about some different things. We're going to talk a little bit about my trip to Margaritaville, and then we're going to talk about the movie Scarface, which I just watched for the first time ever in my life. And then we're going to talk a little bit about The Doors, which Ben just watched for the first time ever in his life, and about movies that everybody watches a million times in college. And a little bit of spooky Halloween fun for the October edition. Um, We just saw our first Halloween decorated house on the walk over here. I was very excited. It's pretty special. Very special. A couple of fake gravestones and one of them fallen over, especially spooky styles. So... Uh, Let's get started with uh, a little bit of a recap of my vacation that I just got back from. Uh, I went to Margaritaville, uh, which is a hotel owned by the Jimmy Buffett Corporation in Pensacola, Florida. And it was a magical, tropical, uh, salt shaker, findinist time. Is that the only location of the Margaritaville Hotel? No, it's a franchise. <laughs> I see. Uh, I think there's more. There's also a Margaritaville retirement community. Mm, the restaurant? Yeah. There's a restaurant uh, in Universal City Walk. I wrote about Margaritaville and Jimmy Buffett for MTV News last year. I was very excited about it. And then somebody who made the Jimmy Buffett documentary uh, helped get it posted on the Jimmy Buffett Facebook page. And at first everybody was like, oh, Cool. Somebody wrote about Jimmy Buffett, and then they were like, this person is making fun of us. Did they have a Jimmy Buffet at Margaritaville? <laughs> um, they have a lot of, like, coconut shrimp. Mm. Margaritaville. I've the, had it. I've yeah. had it at Margaritaville in Jamaica in the airport. Oh, really? Yeah. So you've been to Margaritaville. I have. You know what it's like. All day. It's a relaxing, tropical time. It is. Um, the hotel is funny. It is, like, basically just a regular hotel, but there are pictures of Jimmy Buffett all over it. And they have things like just somebody playing a steel drum in the lobby at any given moment. Sounds like Larchmont. Man, also, you would have loved... Okay, so there's a there's a channel on the hotel TV. There's, like, the Margaritaville music video channel that just plays. And, like, we ended up watching a ton of it, actually. Is it, is it all Jimmy Buffett? No. It's, like, anything in the Jimmy Buffett category, which is, like, country that is sort of like island themed like like, like yachty country yeah kind of like like boat themed country mm-hmm. but also a genre you and i are very familiar with which is just like southern california beach music oh yeah so like sublime there was a video by the band slightly stupid oh, with two o's and stupid which was like the band that sublime signed to their label in high school and stuff like that, like sh- a video for like uh, Shaggy's song from the Flipper soundtrack wow. we saw a few times. And all of the videos were run through this filter that made it look like they had just been put on like tapes and then run through some kind of 
machine that made them all look like they were from 1995, even if they weren't. Oh, so so you might have a 1995 video and then that on top of it? Yeah, like everything looked like it was shot at the same beach on the same weekend, but it was just sort of the same, you know, different songs, but just the same things over and over again of just like being at the beach, getting drunk at the beach, hanging out with girls at the beach. Um, it's really, it's a, a smart genre for Jimmy Buffett to have attached himself to because... There's so much of it. There's so many. Like, everybody has a song about how they like to go to the beach. The Sugar Ray count in that category? Oh, yeah. There was a Sugar Ray video for sure. It was just like all Southern California bands of the 90s. Um, anybody who's kind of like reggae influenced, a lot of just like white reggae. Amber is the color of your energy. Oh, there was some 311 for sure. Um, I found out that song was written about Nicole Scheringer from the Pussycat Dolls. Wow. Who used to date the guy from 311. That kind of blew my mind. So yeah, Margaritaville was fun. Um, Pensacola is really fun. That's where the Margaritaville hotel that I was staying at was. Um, I like Florida a lot because it's, I always say it's like California's California. It's like the place that Californians have all the stereotypes about that other people have about California. It's I've, like, I've never really spent time there, but I've heard it's just like if Santa Monica was all of California. Yeah. I've never been to Miami. I've never been to Southern Florida. Um, there were a lot of people. This is in North Florida, Pensacola. It's like close to Alabama. Uh, it's kind of known as the Redneck Riviera. Mm. And uh, there's, you know, it's it's fun. It's very like sketchy. And it's like Venice Beach in the 90s kind of as a place Um, But it's also Florida, so I also did see, like, a lot of Trump stickers on trucks. Trump stickers and I'm the boss shirts or who's the boss with the duck on it, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, I got a little freaked out sometimes because, you know, I was like, I don't want that scary Trump guy to, like, see me cringing because he probably also has a gun. Yeah. But, you know, there's also, like, a scary Trump guy who lives down the street from me in Los Angeles. So it's everywhere. They're all scary no matter where they are. Um, but Florida is magical. I saw a lot of cool fish and birds, which is the thing that excites me the most about going other places and seeing other other places' wildlife. Um, I saw a really crazy pelican on the last day, and I saw this pelican just, like, unhinge its whole jaw. Oh, man. It's like a dinosaur. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Florida is a great intro for what one of the things we're going to talk about today, which is... That I watched Brian De Palma's Scarface for the first time in my life. That's crazy. It's crazy. Also, we've been talking about me watching it for the first time for like a few years. For probably like the last six years? Yeah, we've been talking about like I was going to watch it for something and like write about it. uh, And that never happened. So then uh, we decided to do it. I don't know how you haven't seen it by accident. I don't know how either. I thought maybe I would have, like, that when I watched it, I would remember that I had seen more of it than I had. Like, it's never not on USA or or one of those channels on, like, a hungover Sunday. It's always on. It's always an option. Yeah, I, I don't know how I missed it. It's just one of those ones. I have just weird holes in my in my knowledge, and that is one of them. And, yeah, I was surprised by how much of it I didn't actually know about because I've obviously heard a million quotes from it and like seen a million art posters in college dorm poster sales. Um, but it is, it is fucking hilarious. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty iconic. It is the funniest movie I have maybe ever seen. 
Um, and I was just watching it and I was like, oh, no wonder it gets quoted so much. It's every line is funny and quotable and he's saying it all in the silly, silly Cuban voice. Well, it's one of the most racist movies of all time. It is so goddamn racist. It's unbelievable. Um, there's only one actual Cuban American in the movie who is the guy who plays his best friend. And then everybody else is Italian, I think. Um, for the most part, everyone's like an Italian American. Um, everyone is an Italian American playing a Cuban American, which is just totally feels offensive. Um, you were saying it's a different time. But also, I guess I found out because then afterwards I was like, I got to find out every single trivial thing about this movie. And what I found out is that they shot it mostly in Los Angeles because they were afraid of the backlash from actual Cuban-Americans if they shot it in Miami because they knew that it was fucked up. It's always good going in. Yeah. They were like, hey, some people might be mad that we're portraying like Cuban-American immigrants as drug runners and crazy violent sociopaths and also that we're having an Italian guy do it. Uh, so they shot it in Los Angeles, which I didn't know at all. I just assumed it was Miami, and now I'm like, do I even know what Miami looks like? Or have I just been confusing Miami with Los Angeles set dressed as Miami for my whole life because of movies like Scarface? Um, but yeah, I found out the Scarface mansion, which is like the giant crazy mansion that he lives in that everybody knows, uh, is actually in Santa Barbara. It's in Montecito, and that Mark Cuban supposedly owns it. Which is funny also because Mark Cuban is also not Cuban. And he kind of had the Scarface haircut at one point. Yeah. He had like the Caesar haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Scarface was written by Oliver Stone, which I then realized last night was the through line of this episode because Oliver Stone also made the doors because he is integral to any sort of college DVD collection. Um not that anyone has DVD collections anymore, but... Um, they're coming back. They're coming back. <laughs> yeah, so we were just talking about this, you know, Scarface. It's one of those movies that everybody watches in college a billion times and movies that people watch in college a million times. And uh, just also that how it used to be that you had to know somebody who had a copy of something in order to see it. Um, so like if you wanted to see Scarface, you had to like know Joey who lives on floor five or whatever, who has a copy of Scarface. Yeah, well, too bad everyone had a copy of Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> everyone but me. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of other Brian De Palma movies. Like I, I'm not. Snake Eyes? I've seen Snake, Snake Eyes. I just watched again recently. It's so good. <laughs> I tried to fall asleep to it uh, like a while ago and I was like, you cannot fall asleep to this movie because every moment is incredibly tense. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's uh, it's too, too stressful. To fall asleep to. But yeah, I love um I love a lot of Brian De Palma movies and I just I just don't know how I hadn't seen Scarface. I was saying too, like I've heard every rap song that references Scarface. Which is like eighty five percent of rap songs from a certain period. Can you name just like some of the biggest ones that are Scarface related? Well there's the rapper Scarface. Who we love. There's uh I mean 
this could, I mean, this is. Let's like, go. Let's go. Just name a few. All right. There's Wu Tang, like song? Yeah, or whatever. Incarcerated Scarfaces by Raekwon and Ghostface. <laughs> or Ghostface. Raekwon on uh, Cuban Links. You got um, Scarface by Scarface. Then you have Scarface by Lil Wayne, which is an homage to the movie and the rapper Scarface. You have uh, any rapper named Montana, French Montana, <laughs> Montana of 300. You have um, any song about Tony, which is like a lot of songs. You also, have, I found yeah. out that Tony Montana is named after Joe Montana. Oh, wow. That was Oliver Stone's favorite football player. Maybe all the rappers are named after Joe Montana. <laughs> I mean, theoretically. You have uh, Push It to the Limit on Rick Ross's first album. I mean, we could go all, literally all day. Rick Ross's whole career is like a Scarface tribute. The World is Yours by Nas, <laughs> which is a reference. The I'm Not a Player video by yeah, Big Pun. You were telling me about that because it involves like the scary dancing yeah, clown? Yeah, re- remix that scene with the guy, the weird Kool-Aid man type guy dancing with the club gets shot up. And I'd seen, I probably saw the music video before I saw the movie. So I was just creeped out by the video. Yeah. And then the movie's even creepier. Yeah, the movie is is good. I mean, it's scary in a weird way. They should have remade it around the time Snake Eyes was made with Nick Cage. Can you imagine? <laughs> As Scarface. <laughs> They're remaking it now, supposedly. Yeah, and I'm I not. Unless they get Oscar Isaac, like it's not. That was what I was thinking too. And they got to do it as kind of like a like drive type movie with yeah. like kind of emotional soundtrack. They're doing it. Uh, somebody was saying they were trying to do a remake about like like Scarface as like a Mexican immigrant in Los Angeles, but I think the the studio just wants to like make all that Scarface money. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last thing I saw was that like the Coen brothers were attached to remake it, which sounds like the weirdest and worst idea. Um, I love the Coen brothers, but I just cannot for the life of me imagine that unless Scarface becomes like an introverted Jew. Yeah, I don't know. I think like unless like Robert Rodriguez or someone does it, I don't really know. I just feel like there's no point in remaking it because it's perfect. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, that doesn't stop anyone from remaking things ever. But um, it is perfect. It is a perfect movie. And I totally understand now why everybody watches it so much because it's such a good, like, leave on in the background movie. Oh, yeah. You could just leave it on in the background a million times. And it made me think also about just, like, all those movies that have that arc, the, like, rise and fall arc, Mm -hmm. you know, where you, like, put it on and you're like, oh, sweet. This movie's on. I love this movie. Goodfellas, Blow, like any of them. Yeah, like Boogie Nights. Like I love all those movies. Um, but you always like start watching it because you're like watching it during the rise. You know, you're like, oh, I love this part. He's about to have like the big party or whatever. And then like you put it on, and then as you're falling asleep, it's like the dark stuff starts to happen, and you're like, oh no. Well, I would love to do a film festival where you show all those movies, but you always end them when the rise is happening. <laughs> so it's like all these movies as if the bad stuff never happened. I think it, they're actually really positive if you stop them early enough. Right. It's just like, oh, he made all the money. Oh, he's out of the game. Like, great. He he bought his parents a house, <laughs> and he's not tempted by any of it. He's just going to retire. Where would you stop Scarface? Um. I mean, it's pretty gritty from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, some bad stuff happened. But I feel like even like Whitey Bulger, like in real life, he went to Santa Monica in the movie if he had just ended in Santa Monica when they make the next movie about him. That's your favorite thing about Whitey Bulger. Well, I, w- I wish there was just like a reality show of, I wish like the statue limit, not saying I wish because a lot of people were hurt by him, but <laughs> imagine if there was like a reality show of him in Santa Monica with like his wife. 
It's so funny. Going to like Kukuru? Yeah, because like guys from Boston are like Santa Monica. Yeah. That's where I want to be. Exactly. And uh and Whitey Bulger, as as we've talked about before, maybe, um, distantly distantly related to Ben and I. Yep, yep. Through marriage, so we don't necessarily have the criminal genes. But, you know, if if don't piss us off, because <laughs> we've got connections to the Irish mafia in Boston. I always thought the Irish mafia was like a colloquialism <laughs> just for like Irish people who know each other. Yeah. I didn't really know there was an actual Irish mafia until maybe like when I saw The Departed. And I was very surprised um, that Boston actually has like mobs. I mean, I was surprised when I lived in Providence, Rhode Island, which is a total Italian mob run town that the Italian mob like still exists and runs things in places like Providence um, because we don't really have the Italian mafia in Los Angeles. There's other stuff. But we got other mafias. We got gangs. We don't need like the mafia because we have other organized crime syndicates. Um, but Scarface, uh, I also just, I was, I was enchanted by everything about it, but also just like, it is so silly. It is so funny. It's probably the most over-the-top movie ever made. I mean, up there. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, I know that it's like the the joke is that it's like the craziest Pacino performance. Um, you know, I also found out that they were originally they wanted to remake because it's a remake of the original Scarface starring Paul Mooney from mm -hmm. uh, the 30s, which I have seen. Because I'm the type of person that's like, oh, I've only seen... That's the most hipster thing ever. The original Scarface from the 1930s. And that the original Scarface was based on the story of Al Capone. And it was written by, like, some guy, some young guy who kind of, like, went undercover with the mob in Chicago, I think. And then wrote, like, a tell-all about it called Scarface. Because Al Capone, some people called him Scarface. Um... And it became like a big bestseller and then they adapted it into this movie. And then the guy died randomly when he was 28, but it wasn't because he got killed by the mob. Supposedly. Supposedly. But um, then they were going to remake it with Pacino because Pacino, I guess, saw like a revival showing of the original and was like, I got to make this movie. <laughs> and he was going to make it. He wanted to make it as a period piece set in Chicago. Um, about you know Al Capone basically, and that was too expensive. So I think Sidney Lumet came in and was going to be the director, and it was his idea to make it about uh, Cuban immigrants instead. And then he ended, but he wanted it to be about how like the about how the American government enabled the drug trade, um, about how it was like really you know America's fault, which it is. Um, and he wanted to be more political, and that wasn't, I guess, what somebody wanted. So De Palma came in instead and made it about beautiful, glossy surfaces and great lighting setups. Um, but they kept the aspect of it being about Cubans. And I was reading also, it was, you know, because it was based on this real thing where all these Cuban refugees came on a boat and then just were like dropped off in Miami. And they built like a like a refugee village under a freeway overpass in Miami. And so for the movie, they like recreated the village, but under a freeway overpass in L.A. Um, but, you know, I, I had no idea that this movie was shot in L.A. because I think of it as being like the ultimate Miami movie 
Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, but apparently it's not shot in Miami at all. Yeah, but I mean. <laughs> um, I was also very surprised I did not see any glass bricks in this movie. Yeah, that is that is a missing, uh, you would expect some. Yeah, but maybe it's like just the wrong era. Maybe it's like too early in the 80s. I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah. There, there are glass bricks in Carlito's Way, which, oh, I've, yeah. which I, I also... I was just on TV the other day. I was watching that. I just saw that for the first time recently, too, not too long ago. Sean Penn's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn is really good in that. It made me be like, oh, yeah, I guess Sean Penn's a good actor. I guess. Because he plays, he plays scumbags very well. But that's another example of a, of a dorm movie. Yeah, what do you think are the qualifications for a dorm movie? I mean, generally you can find them, or I, I got to speak in the past tense. Yeah, but you could have found them generally in the discount bin, like at a video store, like a, the DVDs. They'd be like Super Saver, seven ninety nine, because you're a college student. You could only afford so many DVDs. And I used to get those like three packs at Target. That was like the like party movie from the eighties with like Bachelor Party and. Porkies and like Animal House, you know. So I think the price, because I feel like movies like Scarface were such bestsellers, they were always on sale, and they knew the uh, the target audience. Like, I think the rise and fall element that you talked about, I just I don't know. It's like a simple plot line for a dumb college student, you know. Yeah, I guess like it has like... the drama, the melodrama, the yeah. action has enough for. A guy that's like hungover or <laughs> drunk, you know? <laughs> well, we were talking about this. You referred to it as the fake deep frat guy collection. Well, some of them. Like, some, no, I mean, Scarface isn't for the fake. That's for just the frat that's guy. Just that's just for the just frat for guy like collection. The col- that's for the all college students. But then you have like the, another tier, which is like the fake deep guy college film collection, which is like movies like Donnie Darko. Or like even like Requiem for a Dream, like oh, weirdly, yeah. like tons of college totally. students used to have that, and I'd be like, "Who wants to watch this more than once?" Yeah, but it's like, oh man, it's like so real, you know? It's about like, it's just the realest movie. Is it just like all drug movies? A lot of drug movies because people are like in their experimental phase, and just like good soundtracks. Like yeah. all these movies have good soundtracks. They all um, have to be movies that like look good projected. In look some... good projected or on like a crappy TV. Uh, from you know, it's it's a pretty wide net, but I just feel like we all know what they are. Like everyone had them, you know. I want to know now what people do in college because they're just streaming. I, I mean, know, but like, do people say like, "Come over to my dorm room and we'll stream"? Yeah, Scarface? they just they Netflix and chill now. You yeah, know? I guess so. That's so because I feel like that was such a social element of college was yeah. like borrowing movies from other people in yeah. my dorm. And, like, I, like, made so many friends by, like, luring people to my dorm to watch movies that I had. Yeah, but borrowing CDs, borrowing movies, it's yeah. a different time, man. It is a different time. No country for old college students. <laughs> that's for sure in the collection. No country for old men. Oh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of Coen brothers. Maybe that's why, why they're doing the Scarface I took a class remake. on the Coen brothers in college. That's so funny. And we just watched every Coen brothers movie. Uh, what about just, like, the one college student that's like, come watch a serious man. Yeah, we'll know. all get really bummed out <laughs> and then feel really depressed. Watch it on mute with Pink Floyd. <laughs> you were suggesting that I watch Scarface on mute with... With anything. With anything. <laughs> you could literally put that movie on mute and listen to any music. I think that might be another aspect of what makes a good Just visually, dorm yeah. movie. If you can mute a movie because you don't really want to pay attention and you just want to listen to whatever. Yeah. It's... 
that's all you need. And then you get a bunch of stone people and they're like, it's all matching up. It all up. matches up, man. It's crazy, <laughs> man. Absolutely. What other movies are in the dorm collection? Probably Boogie Nights. Shawshank. Shaw- oh, sh- come on. Shawshank for sure. Usual Suspects. Usual Suspects, I was about to say. The like Kaiser Sose twist. I feel I'm trying to think of like what would be you know new in the canon. Probably Drive for sure. Probably totally Drive. Drive's probably like top ten of like maybe like Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall definitely no question. I remember like my first day of college. Um, my friend Jake was like, "Hey, come check out this movie in my room," and we watched like Boiler Room. Oh yeah, that's definitely in the canon. Any movie about Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, it's. I mean. It's a long list. Yeah, like most of them are about like a scumbag making a lot of money in an illegal way and then getting punished for it. I mean, that's what's so weird about it, too, is like all of these movies are sort of moral tales, you know, Mm because like nobody gets Mm -hmm. away with it ever. It's never like, hey, I made all the money and I screwed everyone over and now my life is awesome. The end. Mm-mm. It's always like just maybe like social network that happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely in the, that's the darkest. That's movie. definitely in the new canon. That's for sure in the new canon. Also, that is the darkest, most depressing idea. Now that you said that, you're right because you're like, hey, Mark Zuckerberg got away with it, and now he thinks he should run for president, which is like the worst, worst and craziest idea. Uh. Because we all saw the movie about what a shitbag he is. So, like, nobody wants that guy to be president. You don't even want that guy to be, like, your friend, you know? Which is ironic that he started a social network because he has no friends. I guess that's also what the movie is about. So, yeah, like, Fincher movies, definitely Fight Club. Oh, that's been in the canon since the beginning. Yeah. Anything with, like, a twist ending that, like, blows a really dumb person's or just, mind. Yeah, it just makes, like, a kind like, of, like, dull person feel... Like they're in on something like all really Christopher smart. Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, or like, yeah, like, do, don't you get it, man? Yeah. Don't you get it? Like, Fight Club, it was him the whole time. Like, spoiler alert. And you're just like, okay, man. Like, we were talking about this a little bit, though, because like 1999 is like when all these movies came out about the world being a simulation. Yeah. Before it became a simulation. Right. We were, you just read the simulation theory recently for the first time, and you were like, Molly, did you know? Did you know that Y2K was really the end? You know, but like ever since you said that, I've been like, just how comforting would it be if everything has been a simulation since Y2K, if Y2K really happened? I mean, this is a little off topic, but check this out. Y2K, if it was really the end, we wouldn't know. If this is a simulation because of Y2K, we wouldn't know. Right. But also like... If you were going to be like, what would be the craziest reality you could make it's in a simulation? What's going on right now. It would for sure be this. Because somebody was saying too, they were like, imagine trying to explain like any of the headlines from right now to like. You can't. I don't even understand half of them. No, they're like trying to ex- try to explain like what's going on to somebody in 1999, being like, oh yeah, Donald Trump's going to be president. They'd be like, what are you talking about, dude? I just want to listen to corn. <laughs> You'd be like, no, the world's going to get better. What are you talking about? Ooh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> the simulation theory is like comforting in a way because you're like, oh, it would be great if this were all just fake because it's terrifying that it's real. Yeah, I agree. And also like Matrix came out that year. Oh, man. That's is, that's the number, maybe top five of those movies too. So That came out, I feel like it came out when I was in high school, I think. 
But then the sequels came out when I was in college. Those were pretty bad. And my friends were like so excited. <laughs> I saw the second one in the theaters. They were so excited. It was like such a big deal that the second one was coming out. And they were just, I remember they came back that night from the mall just like, oh, it fucking sucked. <laughs> oh, it sucked so bad. It was so disappointing. Uh, it's like, and then I feel like, you know, it's like when those other Star Wars movies came out. Those first. I can't touch that topic. I have too many friends that love Star Wars. That right. But I like, saw one of them and I, I made a remark after it in college when one of the new ones had come out. You're like, hey, were that like, kid sucks. People and they were, were like, like, really, really upset. Don't you fucking say that about Darth Vader. People were really upset. At me. Don't you talk about Anakin. That's my best friend. Well, now is a very exciting time um, in our lives, which is that. It is, uh, the seasons are changing. Summer has come to an end, just like Scarface. Uh, the Miami party part of the season it's over. is over. And uh, the leaves are changing. The air is getting crisp. It's like 87 degrees It's outside. like 87 degrees outside. It's still September when we're recording this, but it's the October episode. And uh, Ben and I are very excited about spooky fun time, which is what we call the sort of like general Halloween time leading up to Halloween. It's got to be the best time of the year. It's the best time of year. And especially if you grow up in L.A. where it's like always kind of hot and sunny, you just like fetishize fall and you just like think about fall and like want it to be fall so badly so you can like wear a jacket. That's always my dream. I have so many jackets and I'm always like, oh, man. One day, <laughs> it's going to get cold enough to wear a jacket. Um, but it starts getting cold at night, which is really nice. Um, I just got back from Florida, and it's, like, very nice to be back. It's not too hot, actually. Um, and I'm just excited because all the drugstores and Target and places like that are putting out all their, their Halloween stuff. Out. I just like to, like, anticipate Halloween more than I even like Halloween. Does That's, that make sense? I mean, sense? That life is all about anticipation. Yeah, like, by the time it's actually Halloween, I'm, like, almost over it. Christmas Eve's better than Christmas. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is, you know? Yeah, why is that? Anticipation. Just anticipation is the best thing. Yeah. You're right. And, yeah, I just, um like, I'm one of those people who, like, when people start putting up Halloween decorations in September, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, because I'm, like, I want it to be fall more than it actually is ever fall here yeah yeah because really winter is our fall yeah winter is like an extended fall it doesn't really become fall until november anyway but. yeah but in september like the first day of september i'm like it's fall um and we talked about this we do a thing called sabbath season that ben ben and his I, friends I started it actually in college we had a three d cd changer which sounds archaic now and I went to Amoeba. Yeah, but top, imagine how top of the line that oh, was. Oh, it was great. We like, can listen to three different three di cities. We don't have to even get up off the couch. So I went to Amoeba in Berkeley, and I bought the first three Black Sabbath albums. And I made a rule in, my, um, in our apartment that we couldn't listen to anything else for a month. Just those three albums. And it was October, October right? October 1st to October 31st. And but that, I, I incorrectly thought it was September. Yeah, you, uh, you, know, you gentrified it a little bit <laughs> in the media. But... Um, we, uh, yeah, it's a thing. October 1st. To be honest, I haven't done it the last couple of years because I'm so exhausted of those Black Sabbath albums. <laughs> I'm just in a different place in my life. I heard Ozzy on Jonesy's Jukebox the other day, which is my favorite radio show. Oh, that's yeah. on KLOS because it's always just like it's Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. And it used to be on another station. It used to be on Indie 103. And mm -hmm. then it like moved to KLOS. But it's just him and like other old British guys who love rock music. 
And what I love about it is they are like, you know, people who have cool rock bands like the Sex Pistols or Black Sabbath, but then they're all just like such old British guys. And all they talk about is like how to make a good cup of tea. (laughs) You know, they're like, oh, no one in America knows how to boil the water right. (laughs) Uh, And they just they're all like, you know, big Elvis fans. That's like what got them all into rock music in the first place. I love that show. I find it so comforting. It's also the only radio show in L.A. where like a person with a personality gets to just talk. Yeah, that one. And then the Henry Rollins one is pretty funny. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, remember how radio was good? Or like radio was a venue for people to like play music they actually wanted to play and like talk about their actual thoughts and not just be like, hey, it's a fucking g Easy song for the 5,000th time this hour <laughs> that somebody paid us to play because that's how the whole business works now. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for Halloween this year, um, especially because uh, you have a kid now. So I do. we're going to dress him up. Oh, man. What's he going to be for Halloween? Can't say yet. <laughs> Have you been talking about it? He already has a costume. What? You can't reveal? Um, I'm very excited about that. He's got, like, a lot of good outfits anyway. He does. I want to know what he's going to be. What if you dressed him up like Scarface? <laughs> oh, God. That, did, that movie didn't end well. I don't want no. to put him in that, in that place. Push, push, get the yayo. Oh, man. Tiny baby selling yayo. <laughs> <laughs> um, every song on the Scarface soundtrack is like the cokiest song you've ever heard yeah, in your insane. life. Um, they're all so good, um, especially that Blondie song. That I think I just also had heard so many of the songs on the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack. Like I've played Grand Theft Auto. The Miami one. Yeah. Yeah. Or just all of them are kind of like Scarface as a video game. Yeah. Although Tess Lynch, a uh, friend friend of the podcast, was telling me that there is a Scarface video game Yeah, there called is. Scarface The World Is Yours. I don't think it was that great. I never played she it. She but... loves it. Mm. She was saying that uh, the, the thing that you get is there's like a ballzometer. <laughs> and when you get like energy, it's like your ballzometer goes up, uh, which I understand now that I've seen the movie. I was like, that's weird. I guess that's cool. She was like, yeah, it's like GTA, but you just sell cocaine. And I was like, isn't that just GTA? (laughs) Right. Like, isn't that what those games are about? Um, But she also was saying, she was like, yeah, Scarface, that's a movie about a bathroom, (laughs) like a really weird bathroom, Um, which I guess she was talking about. There's like the part where he's in the giant bathtub or hot tub in this like carpeted room which i guess is like maybe a giant bathroom think about how expensive it would be to keep that house clean well that's what Tess said she was like who puts carpet in a bathroom seriously <laughs> it has a sunken tub and i was like the coolest person in the world obviously um so yeah as the seasons change from the summer of scarface to uh the autumn of a little band we like to call the doors oh man so so lambo I watched, the, I think the way this started that we were talking about dorm movies was that I watched the movie Blow for the first time, which you said, how, how the hell have you not seen Blow? I've seen a movie like 30 you times. You said, like, didn't you go to college? How did you not see Blow? And Blow is also really good because it's like the last good Johnny Depp movie, maybe. Because I remember there was that period when everybody was like, oh, hey, Johnny Depp makes some good choices. He's making some weird movies where he wears a lot of weird wigs. <laughs> and people were like excited about that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then he started doing the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and we all found out what a terrible person he is in life, and it all kind of went to hell. But Blow is really funny. It is like a great 
like wigs movie. Great West Coast movie. Great West Coast movie. I mean, I've been to Manhattan Beach and seen seen the uh, the tonsorial parlor where they sold all the coke out of. I remember it was a big deal that Pee Wee was in it too. <laughs> yeah, I also like movies like that and Inherent Vice. I would mm-hmm. assume Inherent Vice is in the the college movie canon too. Maybe. Maybe. Well, just like movies that are about just like scuzzy yeah. weirdos. Yeah. Um, but also it just makes me go like fuck like. Imagine if you could like live by the beach for cheap. Mm-hmm. Which but, is, but speaking of which, speaking do- of which, the Doors. Speaking of which, Venice Beach, the Doors movie. I saw 1960s. it for the first time uh, on the Showtime app. <laughs> That's when you were just browsing the Showtime I got app. The, I got the Showtime app so I could watch Twin Peaks season. Yeah, and I just still have it. That's how I watch. Because they the, have some like weird movies on it. Yeah, that's how I watched the really good Whitney Houston documentary mm. that I talked about on the last episode with Liza Die. Because I was like, oh, I've still got the Showtime yeah, login. So I put on, I put on the Doors movie. And you were like, I've never seen this before. Well, first of all, it's funny it was on the Showtime app because Kyle McLaughlin's in the Doors movie. Yeah. And I just watched the whole Twin Peaks season, and then he plays, I think, Ray Manzarek. Yeah. But that movie's crazy. The Doors movie. Yeah, another Oliver Stone movie. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. I mean. It was a frustrating movie. Why is it frustrating? My main gripe with the movie is is actually pretty small. But oh, yeah. You know when you're just watching something and then it keeps happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about your gripe with The Doors. All right, so track one on the self-titled Doors album, Break On Through, parentheses to the other side. <laughs> In the movie, it's like th- this big moment when he like they're writing the songs and they're practicing or whatever. Val Kilmer never takes like the vocals to the next level the way that it happens in the real song when he's like break on through to the other side and he's like break on through to the other side in the movie he never goes up and they're performing like at the whiskey all these places and he in the movie he always goes break on through to the other side like he never changes it and it just bothers me right because like that's the part that makes the song really crazy do you think val kilmer like Knew he like so, no one wanted to say anything. Maybe he can't hit the note. No, but in different songs in the movie, he goes, right. he does it. He gets aggressive. Right. So maybe he was just tired. <laughs> I don't. It was bothering me. That is gonna bother me now when I watch, watch it, it again. Because that is literally the part of the song. Yeah. When he breaks on through to the and other if you're just side. doing like a Doors like imitation, you go like break on through. Like you just like do that. Yeah. It was. I don't know. The Doors. Like Scarface or like another thing that like I saw made fun of in pop culture so much before I ever actually like saw it or got into it. And I always hated the doors because there's such like an L.A. kind of thing. And there's like that big there's a big mural of Jim Morrison in Venice. I think I just thought Jim Morrison was silly. He is. I was like, he's not sexy. And like the idea that he's sexy is like so forced on you that I was just like. Look at this goofball in leather pants. Um, and my friend Sean Hallowell had a fake ID that you'll remember. Uh, the name was Rivers Morrison. Yeah, yeah. And he was my friend who was really into the doors as like a high schooler and then was kind of embarrassed about it already by college. But I don't remember exactly when I got into the doors. I think it was in college I, at some I point. I think it was after. Because I remember when I was in college, my friend Amir had every had like a lot of doors. CDs, yeah. And he was getting, he was graduating. He was a little older. And he was figuring out which CDs he was gonna get rid of, and he called me into his room and he was like, he was like, I'm not sure about these, and I was like, dude, you gotta sell those doors. Albums. <laughs> and he was like, why? And I was like, because that's the only way you can truly graduate from college. Right. 
But then after the fact, I kind of got more into them. Did he give them to you? No, he sold them. No, I should have given them. I didn't want them at the time. Yeah, you were like, I've heard that. I've heard all that. There were like some classic rock bands that I just avoided because they were sort of like so cliche, I think. Yeah, like Zeppelin. Like Zeppelin, like Janis Joplin. Yeah. I never really listened to Jimi Hendrix. And then I like, when I did listen to all of those things, I I was like, oh yeah, this is fucking, but like, you know, we liked the Grateful Dead, so like. There were other classic rock things that I was totally into, and I liked psychedelic music, and I liked, you know, I think I probably got into, like, the Velvet Underground, yeah, which maybe was, like, the gateway drug to The Doors, because one of the other things about The Doors that I always thought was silly was, like, Ray Manzarek and the the organ playing, Um, just because it's sort of, like, frustrating to listen to that organ solo, and you're waiting for it to go back to, like, go back into the riff, you know, and it's so, like, long and druggy and indulgent and then if you smoke enough pot you're like this is the best and it makes so much sense well, i think also like just what comes with things like the doors and zeppelin are just the guy doors guy and zeppelin guy that's yeah. always like pushing it on you blues hammer yeah just those people in the Doors shirts or the zeppelin shirts like man you don't even know the doors man right. like you don't listen to the doors and that you know, and like our dad was never really into yeah. either of those bands. Yeah. So like, so we didn't really other people's dads. Yeah. I feel like our, just like our parents didn't put Star Wars on us, right? Like our parents had really good taste, yeah. and so some of the things that are more like they were like, don't watch Star Wars, watch Apocalypse Now. Yeah, exactly. Like some of the although the Apocalypse the, yeah, Now, yeah. the greatest Doors. Yeah, there we go. I remember though. I think it was in college that I was like. I like went to see my friend Sean in his dorm and he was just like really drunk one day and like listening to the end. And that was like when I got it. I was like, this is great. Like this song is terrifying and uh, a journey that you go on. And I think also like when I started thinking about Jim Morrison as like a Mel Torme, you know, Mm -hmm. he's like a crooner. Mm -hmm. He's not like. Or like a Robert Goulet. Yeah. He's like kind of like an old school. Like he's not like he's not cool in your traditional sense, which is like coolness is sort of like aloofness. Yeah. You know, he's very like it's almost embarrassing. And I think that's what I avoided about the doors for so long was I was like, oh, it's like embarrassing for someone to be like putting so much out there. Well, if he had survived, he'd definitely be doing like Vegas residency, the doors with like, I feel like if he had survived, he would jazz organ. Yeah. He would, he's, he's very goulet. It's very like, I think about like Will Ferrell, Mm -hmm. like as Jim Morrison. But you don't think he'd be doing like duets albums? I think he'd be doing like, like Tony Bennett, (laughs) like Jim Morrison duets with like Taylor Swift or whoever. Oh man. I feel like some of the, like the poetry stuff. Yeah. An American poet. Yeah, I mean, you just you just saw that image of him so much that, you know, the leather pants, too. And uh, I I feel like just when you actually listen to the music, you're like, oh, it's good. I, I guess it. I guess like whatever's going on with the chai peps now. Yeah. Chili peppers is probably where the doors would have gone. You, know? <laughs> you mean like starting out as sort of a cool, weird California band and then just like and just like surviving. Yeah. And now here they are. Uh, it's crazy how many of the chili peppers are alive. They're one of those bands where you're like, that's they must. All, they're all just like a bunch of Iggy Pops. You're like, oh, they're like deathless. They can do all the drugs and live. Speaking of the Chili Peppers. Speaking of the Chili Peppers, I Ben. Was, yeah, I was watching the Doors movie. Ben, when he was watching the Doors movie, had an idea for the Chili Peppers movie. A Chili Peppers movie and beyond. An ultimate, an ultimate college movie. Imagine. The Chili Peppers movie, they're kind of the middle of it, but it's really the 90s rock movie. 
Like a Doors, but about the 90s. Yeah, like it could take place at Woodstock 94. That could be like the like, <laughs> you know, the big moment at the end of the 90s. But either way, I came up with a flawless cast list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, of course. All right. So Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Perfect. You think you think that would work? I think it's perfect. Flea, Michael Sarah. <laughs> like I feel like that like role when he like does some method acting. Yeah. Like he gets addicted to heroin or something to do the role, you know? Like shaves his head. Um, Shia LaBeouf for Shanti, because I feel like he could just be like aloof enough. I feel like Shia LaBeouf would definitely like start a house music career. Yeah, later you know, on later on and yeah. like mess up on SNL intentionally yeah. like for Shanti did. And be like, stop making fun of my acid house. I really care about it. It's exactly. actually really good. Exactly. The drummer who I believe his name is Chad Smith, right? Yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a little old, but he, he looks just he like looks him. like him. They they have to do a little like uh, they did that drum off a while ago. Yeah, I just think if you didn't cast him as that, it would be like wrong. Yeah. you know what I mean. Then Dave Navarro. I think I was thinking Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I think he'd be perfect as a Dave Navarro. You know. Yeah. And then I was thinking, okay, like this movie would be great, but why don't we just like really extend it into like a whole world, the alterniverse. So. George Clinton, who I think he put out one of the Red he Hot Chili Peppers. He produced one of their out. albums. Yeah. Mahersha Ali could oh, play George yeah. Clinton because just, you know, the timing. There was a whole thing about how, like, they were, went to make the album with George Clinton and, like, fucking George Clinton, of all people, was like, you guys need to stop doing so many drugs <laughs> and get your shit together. Yeah, that, Like, that... you can only do all the drugs if you also, like, make the music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that, I feel like that's the thing that happens a lot, too, where, like, a band gets successful, and then they're like, let's get our hero to produce our album, and then their hero's like, I don't fucking know about yeah, this, this guy. Yeah, this is too much. <laughs> All right, Rick Rubin, Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. All right, River Phoenix, him and Frashanti, you know, good friends yeah. at the time. Nick Jonas, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, Joe Jonas, <laughs> Perry Farrell, Farrell? I don't know. I'll, I'll never know. James Franco? Oh, man. Eddie Vedder, Emile Hirsch. I feel like if you got uh, James Franco to be Perry Farrell, he would, like, never stop doing it. I know. But that's he what would, we like, need. like, get in character and then just be on un- I mean, he sort of is Perry Farrell in real life. No question. All right, we're almost done here with these. Scott Weiland, Ryan Gosling. Because <laughs> he could do all the different Scott Weilands. Yeah, and then I would also watch just, like, a whole STP movie. Ex- well, that could be the star. Spin- these Ryan could all Gosling have spinoffs. As Weiland. You know? Chris Cornell, Aaron Paul. <laughs> but he could also do Wyland. I'm kind of in between on those. Um, Bradley Noel, Jesse Eisenberg, Gwen Stefani, Vanessa Hudgens, and then finally Kurt Cobain, Cole Sprouse. I of, love uh, Riverdale. Hot Jughead for for Kurt Cobain. I mean, please don't steal my idea, Hollywood. Yeah, come on, casting directors. But I, I honestly think we just put a copyright symbol. Yeah, trademark. Trademark. The Chili Peps movie. Is there like a great 90s sprawling no. movie yet? I mean, no. No. Alpha Dog. That's a real depressing That's like late ass 90s. dorm movie. That's yeah. like a rap rock movie. Are there any? There's not like a pan, like a ultimate yeah. period piece. There's movies from the 90s. I guess like Straight Outta Compton might be the first one. That's 80s. Yeah. There's not really like a 90s like period piece, period piece of like grunge or like. Right, I think you're right. This, you yeah, know, you know what I mean. There's like singles and stuff, but there's nothing but like those are now. From the time. Looking, yeah. looking. I mean, that's actually one of the things I did really like about Wolf of Wall Street was that it like got the '90s period stuff. So mm-hmm. what? Yep, yep. You know, it was like that 
that although then I saw there's like that part with like the pool party, yeah. you know, where everybody's yeah. wearing just like those early nineties like bathing suits. Yep. It's just like that late eighties turning into the nineties. Yeah. Um and then I saw that that was just literally uh copied shot for shot from the real guy at the real Wolf of Wall Street's like home movies from his party. That's crazy. Yeah, because when you see it you're like, oh Scorsese just remade this video, you know, shot for shot, like copied all the costumes exactly and that's why it looks so accurate is because it's not like somebody trying to make the 90s look cooler than they were, which is what people always do when they do the 90s. Yeah, but that's what you could do here. Like, Chili Peppers, you have, like, the dick socks, the light bulb <laughs> suits. Like, you could have these moments going to, like, Fairfax High. Man. Like, the scene when he writes Under the Bridge. Can you imagine how oh. good that scene would be in a movie? I love that scene. That's, like, a like sort of an impossible-to-write scene, I feel like. Ah, no, no, no. The no, scene no. in any he, movie like, where He, like, wakes up under a bridge, and it's, like, a montage. Yeah, yeah, and they're, like... Oh, wait, suddenly the chords are like flowing out of my hands. And you have like Shia LaBeouf for Shanti, like figuring out like the notes. <laughs> I just, I could see it. I, I want to watch it. this movie now. Yeah. I feel like this would be a, like a Halloween classic. Exactly. Um, well, I'm very excited now to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers biopic. Hollywood, get us on the horn. We've got ideas. We got it. We got so many ideas. Uh, well, maybe we should wrap up. Spooky fun time, uh, a season for everyone, a time when uh, you start putting out jack-o'-lanterns in the first day of October. And, and then, then they get they get all rotted. And you got to buy a new one for Halloween. Because <laughs> if you leave out a pumpkin in this weather, it'll be all melty by the next day. But I, I, you know, I'm excited about Halloween, as I am every year. And uh, you drove by Not Scary Farm for a minute the other day. I did. I was uh, taking my nearly four-month-old son on a snooze cruise because he was crying. So I was like, let me just drive him around until he falls asleep. Because that's what babies like. They like to get driven around. Yep, exactly. Who doesn't? (laughs) And I was in the Artesia Cerritos area, and I just started driving in a certain direction with no kind of destination and ended up at Not Scary Farm. And you were saying that you were like so unaware that it was almost Halloween. Well, I saw like a not an Elvira poster and a not scary farm poster, and I was like, oh, like they haven't taken these down. That's crazy. And then I realized that was the moment it hit me that October is coming, and it it very much excited me. Yeah, and my son. <laughs> um, and then we were talking about Not Scary Farm, which is a thing they do at Knott's Berry Farm, which is the other theme park in Anaheim besides Disneyland. It's sort of like a jankier Disneyland, older than Disneyland. Started out as a farm stand, and then they started adding rides. And then Walt Disney was like, hey, I'm going to rip off this idea and make it cooler. Um but not very far. I, I went there for like the first time since we went once, maybe as kids. Yeah. Uh, so this was like my second time ever um, earlier this year, and it was so fun because they made the old West Town is such a Westworld. It and really is. Like a really amazing dark ride. It's like that, dated in the right but way. But they like added, yeah. It like gave me weird. You know what I want from a theme park is like that weird dream feeling where you're like oh i'm having weird deja vu yeah that's what it was like yesterday just seeing it yeah by accident you know well it's it's like a little scarier than disneyland because it's got that sort of like unwholesome tinge that disneyland studiously avoids having at all yeah you know that sort of like like scary carnival something wicked this way comes Mm -hmm. feeling which is very very scary and i love it um 
Have you ever seen The Fun House, the Toby Hooper movie? I haven't. Oh, my God. That movie's so good. It's so scary. It's like a scary traveling carnival yeah, horror movie. The idea of that scares me. R.I.P. Toby Hooper. Yeah, just about like getting stuck on a ride. Or like that episode of Doug we always talk oh, about. Oh, the Halloween one. There's like a Halloween episode yep. of Doug um, that involves being in a theme park after after dark that Great I love. Episode. Such a good episode. They didn't show it that much. No, I, I found it online finally and watched it maybe last year. Mm-hmm. I like to watch all the like Halloween specials. Me too. Like that Garfield Halloween special. Just take you to that weird fuzzy part of your brain. I made the mistake of watching the 90210 one and it involved <laughs> like sexual assault and weird stuff. Oh, and it was like right. really, really dark. Oh, God. I thought it was going to be like, oh, like a fun Halloween no. party episode. No. And then it got really dark. Yeah. And I, 90210, no one can ever. I like... had to wash it away with some Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love to just like watch all the Treehouse of Horrors in a row. Yeah. Some of those are legitimately very terrifying. They are. Um, the one about like the Kang and Kodos eating people one, like, oh, yeah. gave me such nightmares. Me too. Um, but it's based on a Twilight Zone that also would give you nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like Twilight Zone? I love Twilight Zone. Yeah. I mean, I love anthology television. Yeah, me too. RIP Tower of Terror. Oh, man. Um, the Twilight Zone ride at, at T- Disneyland California Adventure that they turned into a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I don't think anyone needed that. Uh, it's not as cool. I went on it. It's like more of a ride now. They like added more drops and stuff. Yeah. It's like more dynamic, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, what I liked was a spooky hotel. Spooky hotel that takes you to the Twilight Zone. But I, I also we could just like go find one in Central California to stay in. <laughs> Spooky hotel. There's plenty of those. Oh, like, there are so many. I could or we name, just go to like the Redlands or something. Dude, I could name all the haunted hotels in in hall. In there are just so many in Los Angeles. We don't need a ride for that. <laughs> no. a, a haunted motel with a broken elevator. Well, there's the haunted hotel downtown that's really scary. Yeah, it's a little too where much. that girl died in the water tank. That's like super haunted and now it's in a part of downtown that they're like trying to gentrify mm-hmm. and make fancy mm-hmm. but like you know you can call that hotel whatever you want it's always going to be super fucking haunted because like the night stalker lived there too it's just got like hundreds of years of like scary people in in its dna they should just start putting roller coasters in downtown <laughs> You just make it into like a living theme park make it into las vegas yeah i mean that's what where it's headed yeah that was a, the scariest roller coaster I've ever been on was I went on the New York, New York roller coaster on top of New York, New York last mm-hmm. time I was in Las Vegas. Because my boyfriend was like, yeah, let's do it. It's fun. It's, it's not that scary. It was scarier than the actual New York subway. Oh, it's it's themed like the New York subway. And that's what's scary about it. Is it's like old and sort of like you're not sure how well maintained it is. Does it smell like like old money? Oh, it's just like it's just rickety. It's like right before it started, uh, Johnny, my boyfriend, turned to me and was like, uh, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> and I was like, we're strapped in now. It's we can't late. get off. It's too late. The scariest moment. Yeah. And then I'm always just like, right, I'm just going to close my eyes and like try to get through the next like minute and a half or however long the ride actually is. Um, but it was so fucking scary. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with loop-de-loops maybe for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I went on my first upside-down loop a maybe while ago. Last. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I know where my limitations are. And the kind of scary I like in a theme park is like a haunted mansion scary. I don't want like a... Like, a uh, like I might die. No, I don't want that roller coaster that like... G-Force. G-Force. Yeah. I, I care about theming. Yeah. 
I like um, they just redid California Adventure to be all Halloween themed because I guess they're moving all the Halloween stuff in Disneyland over to California Adventure. So all the Cars Land stuff is all spooky now and it looks amazing. That's what I like. I prefer that to like your not scary farm, somebody jumping out at you and giving you a heart attack. Well, I love how they have like Los Feliz at California Adventure. Oh, yeah. But then I went back to like Silver Lake for the first time in a long time and it looks like a theme park now. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why Disneyland is like the ultimate. LA thing is because we turned the city into a theme park. Yeah, it's, it got bit. pretty Inception though. It was like, <laughs> like, am I actually at California oh, man. Adventure? Inception, a dorm, a, f- a fake deep frat guy. Oh man, classic. Yep. the The ultimate movie for dumb people who who think they're smart when a stupid thing happens in that movie. That movie's so fucking stupid. Starring future Anthony Kiedis, yep. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. That movie, the one thing about that movie that I was like not mad I had seen it was I, you know, it was the first place I saw Tom Hardy. Came out of that movie like, who was that guy with the mouth? He was cool. I like him. This movie fucking sucked. <laughs> I can't wait to argue about it with film guys for the rest of my life. And about how Christopher Nolan sucks and doesn't know how to do sound editing correctly and then calls it an artistic feature. Anyway, he can direct the Red Hot Chili Peppers movie. Just kidding. I think it's got to be Fincher. You think Fincher? Because Fincher was there. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think he directed any actual Chili Peppers I think Fincher's got to direct the Red Hot Chili Peppers movie. I think you're right. The way he did Zodiac, like, imagine it as, like, a rock dot. I still want him to, I know he's never going to do it, but I still want him to do that Black Hole adaptation. I know. Charles I don't even know. if Does he still have the rights? I I don't know. I just was like, I could picture it just like as a black and white movie, too. I would love that. I love that that graphic novel. I also like to read that around Halloween because it's the scariest. Um, So, yeah, just uh, on our way out of this, this spooky fall podcast, we wanted to pay a little respect to Walter Becker. Oh, the, yeah. The great um, of our favorite band, Steely Dan. And uh, just pour pour a little out. Gotta pour Walter out Becker. a little Black Cow, you know? Yeah, man. A little Cuervo Gold. Pour out a little Yayo for for the maestro. Um, we saw Steely Dan. We like, did? I saw them twice on that last tour. Yeah, man. I feel lucky to have seen them. That was one of the greatest experiences. I, I saw them at Coachella, and these like kids in front of us that had probably never seen a guitar they were like some EDM kids. <laughs> they probably were on some drugs. And Walter Becker was soloing. And they were freaking out. Like they had never seen a guitar solo. Like a great guitar solo. So I'm glad he did that. At, yeah, at the man. End, you know? And also, you know, they were like, we've done so many more drugs than all these kids put together. Yeah, yeah. We've seen some stuff. I think they were joking about what that. What about the Steely Dan movie? Hey, man. Starring starring the two of us. It's got to come. <laughs> Um, well, thanks for listening to Molly's Sleazy Friends. Thanks, Ben, for coming on and being my guest. Anytime. And also my brother and friend. Yep. And we're going to go drive around and listen to the doors now. Let's do it. And uh, and look for more spooky Halloween decorations that are up. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. And thanks a little everywhere for having us. See you next this time. This is the end, my friend. <laughs> This is the end of my podcast today. The end.